today, another hot day in uh, Dallas, and that's why I'm recommending to Stu, he wears sweat block, so the rest of us won't know that he's coming into the room before he comes into the room. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just saying, you know, Stu. Hey, look. You know, you never turn down a mint from a friend, because you never know what they're really saying. You know right, what I'm saying? that's true. Yeah. That's very true. Hey, have you tried sweat block? What, what it, are you saying? It blocks... You know, big sweat, floppy sweat. It is literally impossible to sweat in this room. Yeah. It is impossible. <laughs> and uh, it's a deodorant and a birth sprint. It is the best. You can find it now uh, on Amazon at Amazon.com, or you can save 20% at sweatblock.com. Use the promo code BECK, sweatblock.com. It blocks sweat. <laughs> wow. Who would have known? How it's, did you figure that out? Uh, well, mm. I've used it. I and the name didn't give it away. <laughs> sweatblock.com, sweatblock.com, or find it at Amazon. It's the best antiperspirant deodorant I've I've ever used. Um, all right, we're going to talk a little bit about the White House Correspondents' Dinner and uh, the threat to the freedom of speech next. If we didn't have the right to a free press, we didn't have a right to our opinions online, because that's what's happening now. If you say something in the public square, you can be shut down. Well, that public square is no longer, you know, in the supermarket or in the town square. It's now online. Uh, Dare I say the government is trying to build a digital ghetto with a digital wall. You can talk all you want, just on the other side of the wall where no one can hear you. What happens when something like that is the way a country is run? Well, you get things like this. This coming in from the New York Times, President Xi uh, Jinping from, uh, from China went on a big tour of China. He was talking about everything, the Olympics, yada, yada, yada. But he didn't address at all the outbreaks in China, in Shanghai, where they have shut down the entire city of Shanghai. Nobody asked him any questions. He didn't really give any indication that it was even happening in China. That's what happens when the government controls everything. Imagine the don't say gay bill. We'd all think that it was, that Rick DeSantis actually did pass a don't say gay bill. If it wasn't, that we could question things. Ron DeSantis, I don't know why I keep calling Absolutely him Absolutely incredible. Uh, Ron you DeSantis. You need to learn this man's name. I got it, I got it, I got it. When he's president, when he's president. Okay, 94% of Americans are concerned about inflation. Okay. 
What happens when the press is just allowed to say it's temporary? It's not that bad. It's about to go. It's about to get much better. It's about to go down. This is why freedom of the press is so important. We begin there in 60 seconds with Rick. (laughs) I love him. His brother is much better. Anyway, uh, Kim wrote in about her experience with Relief Factory. She's been taking Relief Factory for about a month now. It is hard to believe, but my my back pain is completely gone. When I first started seeing uh, ads for it and hearing ads, I thought, that's never going to work. I'm now a full-fledged believer. This product is a miracle. Thank you so much, Relief Factor. Kim, thanks for writing in and letting us know. The three-week quick start developed for you is $19.95. It's a dollar a day, like a trial pack, and hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and about 70% of them go on to order more. That says a ton. Go to relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF. Get the 1995 three-week quick start developed just for you. It's relieffactor.com. 800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. Okay, so what happens when you can't say Rachel Levine is, is a dude, man? It's a dude. It's a dude. Uh, what happens when you say Rachel Levine probably shouldn't be the one we're listening to when she comes out and says pediatricians all agree on the importance of gender affirming care for children? What happens when you can't question things? What happens when you you can't have an opinion? See, this is what the this is what the First Amendment is all about. The freedom of speech, the freedom to pet- to petition your government, the freedom of press. There is a really great book out, um, the Know Your Rights and Know Your Bill of Rights book. Um, and I talk about it in, in my book, Addicted to Outrage. And I talked about freedom of the press and how important it is. It's essential if we are going to be free, you must be able to tolerate. People saying crazy stuff. And when I say you, I especially mean the government. When freedom of press was first and freedom of speech was first put into the Bill of Rights, it was challenged. How far does that how far does that mean? How how far can you go? Remember Edison, it was about a hundred years later that he was like, I got a crowded movie theater because we're watching a movie. Don't cry fire. So, you know, it it took about 100 years before we got to that. But you can say fire in a crowded movie house. You can't incite a riot. You can't incite panic. But I've been on stage in several movie uh, in several uh, crowded theaters all across the country. And I have said from the stage fire. There were certain things like the press now is saying Elon Musk He's going to let people just say they're going to rape me and give me threats of death on Twitter. No, no, that's against the law. That's against the law. So if you break the law by inciting violence, inciting a riot, well, then that's not freedom of speech. That's breaking the law. Well, what's protected? Your opinion 
even, believe it or not, lies or things you can't prove about the government. This is um, this was really well thought out about freedom of the press around the turn of the century in the 1800s. They had the Sedition Act. And that's where the guys who just wrote the Bill of Rights were like, you know what? They're saying bad things about me and the government. I don't like it. And so we went back and forth and they passed the Sedition Act. Now, Woodrow Wilson did the same thing. He tried to do exactly the same thing and stifle people. And now we're doing it again. It rears its head about every hundred years. And that should tell you something. Politicians and people never change. We're having the same argument. So how do you how do you punish people? How do when when a, a an author, an opinion guy like I am, when a newspaper prints something and the government says that's false and the government has all of the tools at its disposal. It can hide documents. It doesn't have to, for national security purposes, release certain information when they are the highest authority in the land. And you're like, no, I'm telling you, they're doing this. How do you prove that? And do you want the federal government to be able to say, no, you can't say that. Would you want Nixon to be able to say to the Washington Post, you can't publish that? Would you want the Pentagon to say to the New York Times, you can't publish those papers? That stuff never happened. Imagine, imagine how different it would be. How does a government ensure the freedom of the individual and the press if they're the arbiter of truth? How do you do that? Our founders actually came up with a a couple of really good statements. Truth of opinions can't be proved. Allowing truth as a defense of freedom is like asking a jury to say, what's the best food or drink? It's an opinion. So you can't prove the truth of opinions. So opinion is covered. A citizen should have, and I'm quoting, should have the right to say everything which his passions suggest He may employ all of his time, all of his talents, and if he's wicked enough to do so in speaking against the government matters and using things that are false, scandalous, or malicious. Despite this, even if he condemns the principle of Republican institutions, censures the measures of our government, and every department and officer thereof, and ascribes the measures of the former and conduct of the latter, however upright, to the basest uh, motives, 
even if he ascribes to them measures and acts which never had existence, thus violating at one every principle of decency and truth. He needs to be protected in his speech. Holy cow. You want to know how far it goes? That's it. That's it. This was something incredibly new and novel. No government had ever done anything like this. It was so radical. We're still debating it. That's that's the key to our founders. They were radicals. So much so that we don't think of this as old, dusty, and irrelevant. That's as irre- that is as relevant today as anything else. John Thompson wrote, The government cannot tell a citizen, you shall not think this, or that upon certain subjects, or if you do, it is at your own peril. This was the first time the government was the slave. Not the other way around. The master was the citizen. We could tell government what they can and cannot do. But we cannot have the government tell us what we can and cannot do. Now, it took about 100 years before all of this was dismantled again. Progressives started to dismantle free speech in the way that it would help them and injure their foes. But John Stuart Mill in his book on liberty said, the silencing of opinion is a particular evil. For if that opinion is correct, then we're robbed of the opportunity of exchanging error for truth. And if it's wrong, we're deprived of a deeper understanding of the truth in its collision with error. Now, I brought up the progressives because the White House Correspondents' Dinner happened this weekend. And nobody paid attention to it. Nobody paid attention to it. Because we know who all of these people are. There are 3,000 people that attended this. And they all gave themselves a big round of applause because they all showed their vaccination certificates at the door. That's great. But what is this? How did this even begin? What does this have to do with the DHS and the Ministry of Truth? I'll tell you in 60 seconds. These days, kids grow up in a virtual world. They're practically raising each other through YouTube and TikTok, dancing through the shallow world filled with strange challenges and and weird stunts. It's very different growing up today. With all that noise in their day, they need help. They need help finding purpose so they don't waste their lives or worse, lose the drive to understand and maintain the liberty that we all share. You need to show them examples of what's possible and connect them with a bigger vision of what other kids have achieved. The Tuttle Times does just that. 
Tuttle Twins. They have a magazine. It's a monthly magazine for kids from the creators of the Tuttle Twins. And every issue has big ideas that promote personal responsibility and freedom, like, you know, owning their own health and education, as well as profiles about kids who started their own businesses. You can now get access to the magazine at a reduced price for $49 for an entire year. This will inspire your kids and give them examples of other kids doing great things. You know, that's basically what the school does, you know, every day when they get in, when they watch the CNN magazine, you know, right at the beginning of school. That's really, except it's not like that. In fact, it's probably 100% uh, different than that, 180 degrees in the other direction. This is about personal responsibility and liberty tuttle twins get the magazine now it's just uh, 49 bucks for 12 months it's tuttle twins 10 seconds station id So the president has always had press conferences and what changed um, in the 1900s is the the press used to work for the people their their idea was that the people in washington dc are the guys who are corrupt and have power and are trying to steal money and power from the people woodrow wilson and the progressives changed all of that and they they changed it in 1914 woodrow wilson decided i'm not going to give any more press conferences and it was like wait what and uh he's like no nah, i don't think so and all of the reporters went crazy he's like okay i'm gonna have them from time to time i'll have them but i'm inviting only the people i want to invite that's where the white house correspondents association started they started because they saw the white house as an enemy and the white house was trying to cut off access and so the White House correspondents got together and said, hey, we're the ones going to cover and you don't tell us who's going to be in and who's going to be out. OK, then Woodrow Wilson had this idea. What if we just get them all together and we make friends? We just bring them into our circle. This happened around the same time they were starting uh, with Colonel House, the best friend of Woodrow Wilson, uh, when they started the Council of Foreign Relations. And no matter what it is today, what it was started as was let's get the scholars, the politicians and the media together to explain to them so they can understand and explain it to the people because the people are too stupid. This is where you start getting the press looking down their nose at the average American. Before that, it wasn't happening. After the Wilson administration, they start thinking that they are better because they know, because they're informed. They talk to all the experts. They talk to the politicians. They know who they are. We just had dinner the other night, and we made mad passionate love after that. And so that's that they start gathering as a group of intellectuals, politicians and media. In 1920, I think the first White House correspondent, there's like 50 people there in 24 silent Cal goes and Charlie Chaplin makes fun of him. 
Um, but it was it was a very small group of just the correspondents, and it was a very small group. And they would put, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, Frank Sinatra would show up and sing. But there was no comedy until the 80s. That's when they started bringing the comedians on. And the comedians uh, used to be neutral and kind of, you know, Jay Leno-ish. So it wasn't, you know, nobody's hair was on fire. And then in 94, Don Imus, a good friend of ours, went on, uh, went on the stage and uh, started making fun of Bill Clinton and, you know, cigars and, and everything else. In 94, 90, it was 96, I think. That's when, that's when, th- that's when things kind of changed at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Thank you, Don Imus. But Don Imus was doing something that none of the rest of the press would. He actually talked about it. He burned everybody to the ground. That's what should happen. And that is exactly the kind of stuff this new disinformation governance board uh, is involved. In fact, we happen to have the clip from the weekend. Here's uh, Mayorkas. Uh, uh, cut number seven. Here's this is. Secretary DHS. Will American citizens be monitored? No. Oh. Guarantee what, that. Well, so what we do, we, we in the Department no, didn't of Homeland say, Security yeah. don't monitor uh, American citizens. You don't, but will we, this board change that? No, no, no. The board does not have any operational authority or capability. What it will do mm. is gather together best practices in addressing the threat oh. of disinformation okay. from foreign state adversaries. So can, can from hold on just a second. Um, Mr. Secretary, follow up. Are you using any other agencies that do monitor? Are you using agencies from other countries that will monitor? They're not going to give you the truth anyway. But whenever anybody in the government says, oh, of course, we are not going to. I can guarantee you they're already doing it. (laughs) They're already like. Oh, yeah. In fact, I knew that question was coming because I've been monitoring between you and your cohorts on the questions that you were going to ask me today. Of course. Of course they're monitoring. I love how they they blow it off as like, hey, we're announcing this big initiative. It doesn't do anything, though. Yeah. Whatever no. whatever you think it might do, it doesn't it do, do those things. Doesn't. It does nothing. No, it has it's no a total power. waste of time. <laughs> Don't worry about it at all. Yeah. No. Because it's only, it's a positive idea that does not accomplish a thing. <laughs> that, wait, what? The Glenn Beck Program. You know, um, we used to think causes were American causes, not conservative causes or liberal causes. One of those causes have has always been taking care of those who put themselves in between us and danger, whether that's the policeman, fireman, or military. Charity Navigator rates Tunnel to Towers a four out of a four. This is the kind of organization that we should be giving to and kind of organization you can trust. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation been supporting America's heroes and their families. If somebody doesn't come home from military service or first responder and they have young children left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays off the mortgage to lift the financial burden and bring their family to stability. For catastrophically injured veterans, first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes so they can live more independent lives. And now Operation Home Base 
is gifting tiny homes to homeless veterans. Our nation's heroes need your help through Tunnel to Towers. Donate $11 a month and be a part of this great organization. T2T.org. T, the number 2T.org. Glenn Beck's The Great Reset, best-selling book in the country. You can get it at bookstores now or at glensnewbook.com. This is the Glenn Beck program. Pat Gray just uh, joined us in studio, bringing a big box of his uh, Mother's Day cookies. Mm-hmm. You mean the ones that you can find at kexi.com? Uh, is that the ones I brought? K E K S I kexi.com. It is such a great address. Isn't it? Kexi.com. Yeah. Just that easy. Means cookie in like Norwegian. Finnish. Finnish. Yeah. Finnish. Which we all speak. But uh, (laughs) so how are things going, Pat Gray? Things are going well. We had the White House uh, press correspondence dinner. So great. Whatever you call it. Yeah. Can't believe it's still going on, quite honestly. Yeah. I went went one time. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, Honestly, (laughs) it was the scummiest thing I've ever been to. I, I, I left there. And literally, my wife and I say, I, I said, I feel like I have to take a shower after that. It was so mm-hmm. scummy. This is not revisionism either. This was literally the day after you said that. Yeah. That, this is not Awful. like you looking back. What was, was it during the Bush administration? No, it was, uh, it was Obama. The it was first Obama? year of the Obama administration. Obama, okay. Yeah. Bill O'Reilly had <laughs> invited me to go and said, come on, sit at the Fox table. And I was like, really, Bill? And he's like, yeah, no, it'll be fun. And if it wasn't for Bill, it 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 wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been fun but we were making fun of it the whole time mm-hmm. uh and in it really i couldn't get out of there fast enough it was just so oh dirty it really is incredible that yeah. it goes on and it was did they cancel it completely during the trump administration or yeah. at least a couple times trump was just not interested in yeah he didn't no. go and then it became canceled because of covid and they say i mean the left has a narrative that the one i think it was colbert hosting it and yeah. trump was an attendee and they were making fun of him the whole time yeah and they say that that was one of the reasons the, the the legend is that was one of the reasons trump was like screw it i'm running i'm going after these people i've heard that yeah i've heard that we it, should ask him that yeah i mean yeah. i don't know if it's real or not but i mean it it's it's a that is the narrative of the left yeah. they're like well, we should probably you know watch who we make fun of yeah. <laughs> in the future because they'll probably be the next president i just think that now you know, maybe you stop doing that. You stop doing the whole thing. Really? Like, Why? Because it's, it's, it's a little like, I mean, you've got Biden talking about his low approval ratings and what's, you've got uh, Trevor Noah talking about everything looking up, gas prices, grocery <laughs> prices, uh, automobile prices. And it it's just reminds me of uh, Nero fiddling while rome burned it's it's got that feel to it now yeah you got biden standing up saying my my approval rating anyway (laughs) (laughs) that was a good line that was the best line that was a good line that was really funny uh that might have been the funniest line of all but he's talking about his low approval rating these things aren't funny you know, you're the president of the United States and we're in real trouble right now. Yeah, they they didn't do this during um, the Great Depression. They had it, but it was very somber. I think you that's know? how it should be. You know, gauge the room a little bit. 
um, America is kind of reeling right now. Especially with the devastating losses we have going on right now. I mean, they could have at least done a funeral for CNN Plus. At the very least. Oh, that's that too devastating to even talk that about them. Great. Oh, it would have. Oh, that's what that you would have done. Oh. If you were... <laughs> oh, I would have. I would have had the casket brought in and everything. <laughs> you bet I would have. That would have been really good. I must really, really wrecked my chance of ever being a host. Yes. You know what I mean? They learned don't put somebody who does talk radio on stage because they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. I just really didn't care. And what was he the host of one of these? No, he was the he was the comedian. Yeah. And yeah, he okay. got up and right. and With he Clinton. burned the house down. He That's made right. fun of everybody. And then he was like, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> how Hillary is how Hillary doesn't like it when. When Bill just pulls up a truck and just says, hey, babes, get in. And they all yeah. get in the back of the truck. And it was not good. <laughs> no. He doesn't care, were, though. Yeah. He doesn't did not care. care. And he was on the air the next day saying, what did you expect me to say? Right. Mm-hmm. That's what course. I say on the air. Yeah. You expect mm-hmm. me to not say it to your face? Of course right. I will. Right. Although it wasn't as good-natured fun as they like. Uh, it's only good-natured fun if it's directed against a Republican. Yes. Right. That's yes. the only time Correct. it's okay. Correct. Right, because it didn't Bush. I, maybe it was Colbert that I'm thinking of, but like Bush had Colbert out at one of yeah, them or John Stewart or something. And it was and ugly. It, it was ugly. Like they just, well, they mm-hmm. didn't, they yeah. didn't. The, the tone of the tone of Imus was exactly what you'd expect from Imus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and like I get the idea of a roast, right? You're taking this person who's, I mean, certainly with Biden, I can't believe anyone's ever saying anything to him that it's questioning him. It doesn't seem like he's running uh, his his administration like he's a president that has any yeah. in, input from anyone sane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, you get to get knock him down a notch. I mean, like, there's something American about that, but that's not what happens unless you're a Republican. Republicans, they're just mean to them. And Democrats are like, ah, <laughs> look at all the people who are dying from various problems. Like that's kind of the tone of it, you know. It really is kind of a uh, uh, a snobbish kind of look. But you know, the American people don't care. It's no. just it is. Uh, you know, I, I was telling somebody the other day. I really want the next president to have the attitude. I mean, and Trump could pull this off. I want everybody to know I'm going to destroy your property values. Uh, not, you know, inside the beltway, if you live in Northern Virginia or Southern Maryland, I'm going to sell your house. You won't be able to get shoes for your house (laughs) because I'm going to go in and fire everybody. I just, I want somebody who takes this system on. Yeah. And you know, the Republicans, have you seen their plan? Cause I've seen their plan when they take over, they're going to have hearings. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah we're gonna get yeah. lots gonna lots of hearings. really good fundraising yeah. clips out of hearings that's We've gonna be the highlight hearings if coming. if they actually win and don't blow it here in the midterms which they, they should really could though they they, they, well, they I mean, could blow it yes it's about a 40 percent chance i think that they completely blow it <laughs> so here's the thing hispanics <laughs> yeah, are hispanics are moving away from the democrats yeah, yeah big like time. crazy but they are not going to the republicans the Republicans have only grown with Hispanics like 1%. Where are they going? Just independent? Yeah, they're just or, like, not for these guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. because, I mean, that might still get them the votes. But yeah. I don't think there's a, there's not a huge, 
vision that you see that I think people are excited about on uh, from the Republicans. The one thing because they all about. have cataracts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to have vision when it's you have cataracts. Really hard to have vision. But like it's like I think people. What what are people excited about on the right right now? And it's pushing back against things like CRT. It's pushing back against you know the gender stuff. It's all that sort of defense type of stuff. Now they're going, mm. they're being more aggressive on defense, right? They're they're putting on mm-hmm. the press rather than sitting back in a zone, which is Glenn did not understand that reference at all. But it, it, it's one of those things where they're at least turning up the pressure a little bit here. Uh, they're just. I think that's what people are excited about. But there's no like, hey, here's how we're changing healthcare. Hey, here's how we're changing the they economy. They never do. No, there's that's not a, a lot problem. There. Yeah. Because as much as you don't like the Democrats, you want the Republicans to give you an alternative. And, and they, they never do. They never do. They will say we're going to push back on things. But where <laughs> is the alternative? I mean, I really want... We should put this together ourselves. Uh, I I just really want a... A president and a party who says we're going to fire a lot of people, like eighty mm-hmm. percent of this government. <laughs> we're just going to fire everybody, uh, and we don't care what anybody says. But it's time to clean this thing out, and the best thing we can do is return power to the people. So we're just going to we're just going to shut a lot of it down, and we're going to mm-hmm. not we're not going to do it through uh, you know fiat. We're not going to just have the president do something they can reverse. We're passing laws. We're passing laws. And you know what? If this president doesn't sign it, fine. The laws will be all passed and ready to go. And the next president can come in and just sign away. But we have the purse strings. I would like Congress to say, you know what? We're taking our power back. CDC can't do that mm-hmm. stuff. And in fact, we're going to take it back officially. We, as a Republican House and Senate, are saying... No more of these bills that just say uh, the secretary's discretion. No, these are the laws. Mm-hmm. You want to change them? Got to go through Congress. So you're thinking maybe like the uh, American form of government? Maybe we should return kind to of that? like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know. I mean, this That's a weird new, concept. This new one's kind of fun. Yeah. I know. We just is. we just take the power that specifically <laughs> designated in the Constitution right. to Congress, and then Congress sa- Congress just says, "Hey, that power you gave me, I'm just going to give it to somebody else." We're going to transfer it to someone else because the decision making there is really like people keep calling us on it. And we'd <laughs> we rather lose an election it. if yeah. we're the hard. ones responsible. It's, it's, it's just really too hard. hard. Yeah, really yeah. hard. You know, the communists have it really easy because somebody just makes a decision and they move on. Mm-hmm. That's real and, government right there. By the way, speaking of that, have you heard that Putin is going in for cancer surgery? Yeah, I, I did hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um,. <laughs> Would you, if you were Putin, would you feel comfortable with being put out? He doesn't even want to sit in the same room as his employees. He's like 50,000 feet away you, from them. You trusted that? No, the little sleepy sleep time. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll wake you right back up. I mean, that is, yeah. that's a scary thing. That for him. Putin, yeah. For him. Yeah. That Putin's going under and could be for us. Who takes over? Med, Medvedev? I mean, Medvedev would be the would be the logical guy because he's so associated with Putin. He obviously was the head of the government. And, you know, when Putin had that, uh, that difficult wink, wink, constitutional the the, uh, yeah. d- situation uh-huh. where he couldn't run again. Right. They're like, oh, let's give it to this guy. And then when I come back in, we're going to make it so I don't have to do this anymore. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. They put the, they have, they appointed someone new to, to, 
to do the war planning mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. while he's out. I mean, it is a pretty serious yeah, issue. Yeah, it's with the serious. They said they they'll, he'll be out and they don't know when he'll be back to. Would you, you take know, your chances, strength. though, at this point with Putin? I mean, like, it, yes, you could do worse. But I don't think he he's no longer. I think five years ago, you might say, OK, Putin's really bad, but it, at least he's a known quantity. Yeah. Like at this point, I don't even think he's he can more make unstable argument. now. Yeah, he's unstable. He's doing and things. it might be because he's has nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. He's dying Could and he be. knows it and he wants to make a mark before yeah. he, he goes out. Yeah. So I'm just hoping that dangerous. Oops, my hand slipped. Yeah. Oh, too much gas. Oh, <laughs> what happened there? I, oh, holy man. cow. All right. Inflation is substantially outpacing wage growth. Sorry. I meant to tell you, sit down first. Um, it didn't come to you as a surprise, I'm sure. As you might imagine, that sort of thing can kind of put a damper on your budget. Here's the best thing you can do. Give the people over at American Financing a call today and get a free mortgage review from their salary-based mortgage consultants. Can't stress this enough. If you have an asset that continues to appreciate at record levels, your home, it's more than just a place you live. It's an investment tool as well. And you could be able to access that cash from its growth and um, get it at competitive rates and be able to pay things down that are just bleeding you dry, like high interest credit cards. The Fed is meeting again soon. They plan to continue rate increases until they can lower inflation, which if they can do that, God bless them. American Financing is on the phone to help you with your finances right now. 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. Go now to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. The Russian sanctions are about to get much, much worse. Um, It looks like Germany now has said that they will join uh, a complete uh, embargo on Russian oil that only leaves a few states left to do that in Europe. But there's something else. Everybody knows that oil and gas production is, you know, the number one uh, driver of the Russian economy between 50 and 60 percent of their GDP. And, you know, so you conjure up, you know, visions of swarthy, shirtless, sweaty Russians carrying around giant wrenches on their shoulders. Have I thought about this too much? Uh, (laughs) Opening up the the oil and closing them down. However, uh, this is not the way it actually works. Russia owns all the oil and gas fields, but they mostly are operated by Western U.S.-based companies. Oil and gas is Russian, but the extraction and refinement has been handled by Western companies using U.S., Canadian, and Scandinavian uh, workers. There are only a few companies in the world that uh, can do what they do. Uh, All three companies said that they would suspend all future projects with Russia and refuse all future contracts. But they were seeing out the existing contracts to see an orderly shutdown of the oil fields. Well, uh, that's a uh, that's tens of thousands of workers who are now leaving the country, Siberia, Mongolia, the North Sea, um, those Contracts are now ending. The wind down date is May 15th. 
It's fast. Uh, yeah, they're saying now between what's happening in Europe and shutting down all of these, the ability to extract oil and to uh, refine it and ship it, that they'll very quickly go into a depression, not a recession, but a depression. They've it's- already lost 10%. Of their GDP. And they can't really make it up with India and China, which has been kind of their hope. At least that's what that's what analysts are saying. Yeah. It's hard to know exactly. I mean, they've said various things before. They said the ruble was going to completely collapse and it did for a while. And then it bounced back up. Some of the there's some uncertainty, I think, attached to this. But it's it's hard to justify, I think, if you're some Eastern European country that is sending missiles into uh, this region to fight against the Russians to take their oil, isn't it? I mean, I, no. don't you? Wouldn't isn't there some moral consistency there that you know it may very well throw Russia into a depression? But that's not your concern, right? If you're one of these European countries that is afraid of being invaded, but as you point out, as Putin feels more desperate, as he feels more humiliated by this, if that is where where this goes, it it could escalate even farther. The great granddaughter of Khrushchev. Uh, came out over the weekend and said, we are closer now to nuclear war than we were when my great-great-grandfather was dealing with John F. Kennedy. She said this, at least at that point, both of them knew you can't fight a nuclear war. She said, I'm not getting that from either side. More in just a second. We're going to talk about your economy. This is the Glenn Beck Program.